This is Dollars and Sensibility with Tom Stone. And we're gonna talk about what you really want. And at the end of the day, how to get what you really want is to understand money. Guild Mortgage, NMLS number 3274, Tom Stone, NMLS number 257849. The information contained in these podcasts are for educational purposes only and do not necessarily express the opinions of Guild Mortgage. So welcome to another episode of Dollars and Sensibility. And boy, do we have a treat today, right? <laughs> Mike's, Mike's looking at me. I have Mike Brown from Atlas Title. And the reason and the maybe the heading for this particular one is the more you know, the smarter you are, the more you know how to do things. And so when things in my industry are done and no one knows at all, it's all behind the scenes stuff, man, the more you know about that, it sounds funny to say this, the more you know about that, the more you know, the more you can make better decisions. So welcome Mike Brown from Atlas Title. Oh, thank you for having me, Tom. How excited are you to be here, Mike? <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. Yes, it is. So I'm very excited. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm going to kind of go a couple places. I want to go kind of the a business section of it. I want to talk about real estate and I want to talk about title. Okay? okay. So we were actually just chatting you and I about, you know, when are you going to retire? And you and I are in our fifties and we're looking at that and, you know, looking back, what would you do differently? Do you like doing title work? Is this something that you would say, man, this is kind of my, my cup of tea. Or is like, if I had talked to myself 20 years ago, what would you do different? Well, that is an interesting question. I, I fell into title and I think that most people do unless they're second generation or third generation because, you know, there's never been a fourth grader on career day ever in the history of the world when they said, what do you want to be? And a kid stands up and says, I want to be a title guy. I, mean, I think most people have no idea what it is. Nor did you in fourth grade, I assume. Uh, I didn't I didn't even know what it was after I'd worked in a title company for four years. So, but um it it has been it has been rewarding and it has been very very good for me and for uh the people that i get to work with and it's been very good for my family so i mean the plan always was that i would go to law school hmm. whose plan your parents yours no, that was that was mine that wasn't I, something that my dad's a lawyer so i'm a lawyer no, you just I, wanted to i have i have uh, five siblings or six of us total and at one point with in-laws, uh, I mean, you know, like my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws, there was, so we would have had, you know, uh, 12 of us. Hmm. There were nine that were attorneys. Okay. And so I, that so there was seemed, an influence. Yeah. It seemed like it would be the right way to go, but I, I learned really, really quick when I got to college that I liked it a lot. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not a great student and, hmm. and to, to have made it to a postdoc degree and, and got, you know, got, to go to graduate school, I just, I didn't have it in me. And I, so, but I get to do legal work all day anyway. Yeah, you do. I was going to say, you actually do an attorney's type of job for sure. Yeah. yeah my sister that uh, was practicing in, in Mississippi, um, you know, she's always been kind of a little bit upset because in Mississippi, it's all attorneys. Hmm. And so she does it. Even the title work you're saying. Yeah. All title work is mm -hmm. done by attorneys in Mississippi. And so we do the same thing and she went to law school and I didn't. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, well, and what's funny about that is that you and I, at least in our, my experience over the years, we've been working together, which is 20 something, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We rarely get the question, but we'll have someone come from, let's say New York and they'll say, you know, where's the attorney? 
and we'll say, well, you're more than welcome to have one, but we usually don't have, in fact, I've never had one. It, the Mississippi River is really kind of the deciding factor on that. It, almost every state west of the Mississippi uses title companies and escrow companies, and that looks different in in other states than Utah, but, but the principles are the same. And, and for most, uh, you know, for the most part, if you go east of the Mississippi, attorneys are still, uh, you know, driving the work. Do you know a why behind that? I don't know. I don't know if it's just, you know, that title title insurance is actually a relatively new thing. I actually, I just did my continuing education that we have to do. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done years and years and years of it now. And uh, I heard the story of the first title insurance policy that was ever written. It was in Chicago, but it's a relatively, it's a relatively new thing. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that it's 10 years old, but it, it's, you know, not much more than 100 years old. And I think that probably moving west probably just kind of created that and hmm. some picked up and it, you know, I mean, it's also part of your business. And if you have an attorney's in the old days, you just got attorney's opinions mm-hmm. where an attorney would search the records the same way that we do. And at closing, would give you an opinion and say, this is what I think you're from what I've seen. Here's what it, I think. Take it and leave it. And then from that grew the idea of title insurance and saying, this is this is everything we found on the records and not only just will you get an opinion of what it is, we'll ensure that if anything's different than what we're telling you, then, you know, you'll be able to make it. Now that's, that, I was going to ask the question. So, you know, what is, so you hear title work. Now we just throw out title insurance. Mm-hmm. So you're insuring what? Well, and that, that's, a and is that your main, I mean, you're, you're an escrow company. You, yeah. you close transactions, but we, this insurance piece is no, kind of the big the piece. Insurance is what drives it. And most people don't, you know, most people don't know that, but yeah, I'm an insurance agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, the, what, what we insure is a loaded question because we, you know, just, just like if you walk into state farm for your car policy, you'll also end up with a home policy or renter's policy mm-hmm. and this, you know, um, and we offer different policies. They're all closer in yet, but, for a buyer of a pro- piece of property, we prepare a title report. We show them the history. We show them the things that are recorded. If there's easements or you know restrictive covenants, things like that, and then we present our report and say, "This is how you're going to get your property. Mm-hmm. This is what you're getting." So that we insure them for if you do a refinance or you know if you're taking out a loan, then the lender also wants to know, mm-hmm. and it, you know they're. They're looking at waste worst case scenario and saying we might end up with this property if we have to foreclose so we want to know what we're going to have when um you know in the event that we end up with this property and so we ensure that as well and then if anything ends up different than what we what we uh show people and what's on our policy then they then they're able to make a claim mm-hmm. and that's the that's like the, what for example well i mean so a claim looks like what well, that's the interesting thing. Title insurance. Because you know, it's, it's, it's a county record. Yeah. It says their name. You transfer their name. Yeah. Well, I'll answer that in two parts. Okay. And the first part will really help explain. Title insurance is very, very different from your car insurance policy. Okay. If you come in and, and, you, and you get a policy for your car, you are insuring that if you get an accident, if your car is stolen, if you hit a deer, whatever, mm-hmm. that they will help you fix it in the future. Mm-hmm. They'll pay for it. Yeah. Title insurance, 
I insure from your date that you purchased the property or the lender when they put their loan backwards. It's exact opposite. Mm. And so, so you're backwards and they're forwards. Yeah. So I will insure up to this, you know, I'll, I'll insure up to February 14th today that your property looks like this. And so, you know, technically we, we could be a business that never, ever has a claim. If mm -hmm. we are good enough searching the county yeah. records and coming up, yeah. then the idea is that we should never, ever. So you ensure your mistakes. We ensure our mistakes in that mm -hmm. report that we're putting out or the mistakes of others. If something was recorded incorrectly, if something, you know, but that's, yeah. yeah. And so, but, but, you know, for example, what a claim might look like is uh, there was a, a, a lien that we thought was paid off or it wasn't, or there from was a previous a, owner, yeah, from a previous owner, like a mortgage yeah, or, yeah. Or there was an easement that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, comes across the property and we missed it in our title search and it and really affects the way that the new owner gets it. But like I said, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is, is what we're ensuring is that you know exactly what you're getting and that you'll be able to use the property the way that you, that, you know, that we presented you would be able to. So you've actually thrown out restrictive covenants. You've thrown out easement, just off, just rolling off your tongue. Yeah. Most people have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, they, but they have, a, they have some idea. Right? They, do. they do. So, so, so how can easement, what is an easement and how can easement change or restrictive covenants and what they say and those kind of things? Well, that, that's, you know, see, so you're getting, you're going to get way technical and we're going to bore everyone to death. We'll keep it to a minute. Okay. <laughs> but like a, a, an easement. An easement can be a million different things, mm -hmm. right? And the better the easement is written, the better that you know, the, the more that you can really understand it. But you can have easements to say, I need utilities, I need to get my internet in here, I mm -hmm. need to get my electricity in here. The easement can be for a driveway. I'm gonna be mm -hmm. able to drive across your property onto mine. Um, and so it's it it basically becomes a use on that property and it limits that use because somebody else has a right to do something. And nine times out of 10, well, it's a little bit, mostly it will either benefit your, the, 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 the property that you're purchasing for to get something into it or out of it, or in some odd cases it will limit because, you know, if you have, uh, you know, if you allow tractors to come across every single day to a piece of farm ground, then, you know, that, you have to keep that clear. You have to keep it. But now there's also a prescriptive easement. Prescriptive easements and prescriptive easements. That's a another animal altogether. That's where you let somebody use your property day after day, week after week, year after year, but you never record anything. And then, you know, one party changes hand and they say, you know, and then all of a sudden there's a conflict and say, hey, you can't use that anymore for one reason or another. Mm -hmm but nothing's been recorded, you can have the right to prescriptive easement, but but uh, that has to go through the courts and the judge has to grant it. Just because you've used it for 40 years, you have the ability to fight for prescriptive easement, mm -hmm. but a, court, a judge would have to. So it's basically saying, I know it's not official, but I've used it enough, I should be able to, exactly. and you have a right to fight for it. Exactly right. And, and then you brought up restrictive covenants. Um, there's all sorts of restrictive covenants and, and, and there, there are restrictions on the property. And again, Restriction sounds like it's always limiting, and I guess in some ways that could be true. But if you are in a, a property that has a development that has a homeowners association, for example, they'll file restrictive covenants and saying your property has to be this many square feet. Um, it has to be built uh, mm -hmm. to these specs because they want certain things to, you know, to be. In this is more to the structures on the property. Right. And 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 so those those co normally come from the developer, but we're seeing more and more come from the city. 
where a municipality will do a subdivision and they're trying to protect open space and protect uh, what mm -hmm. was you know what was originally granted when the property was developed so we'll see municipalities put a what's a, a deed restriction that says we let you subdivide this down from you know from 20 acres to you know let's say 10 you know 10 different lots but we're going to file a restriction that those 10 lots can never be split up smaller again mm -hmm. because they want they they know what they want long term mm -hmm. So, but that so when we say restrictions, we're that we're normally talking about limitations that are going to be used uh, on on how you use that property moving forward, and it's our it's our job to disclose that. So, someone says, "Hey, ooh, that's a beautiful piece of property. I want to build a house right there," and they do, and they love it, and right, and it's a half acre lot in a in a developed subdivision, and right behind them is someone else's piece of ground, and they build a three story building, blocks their view makes them furious. You can't do that, they say. Well, how, how does, I mean, this is an obvious question to you, but you know, <clears throat> someone, someone, you know, has this piece of property behind you and they decide to put a pig farm back there. They decide to <clears throat> park their old cars back there and it just infuriates that you would do that to me. You're blocking my view or now it smells. Well, yeah, and that's those are outside the scope of, of, Correct. of title insurance. Um, and also normally, you know, but normally, one of the things that we we don't ensure, you, well, we can do what's, there's all sorts of different kind of endorsements where we can add coverage. Mm -hmm. But in, you know, in the bulk of the policies that we do, unless it's requested, we do not ensure any kind of zoning. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and we certainly can't ensure what zoning is going to change over. Because it can change. Because it can, yeah, exactly. That's why, it can right? Change, it can change over the time. And so we, we ensure that you get, the description of the property you get what we told you you were going to get that you can access it and that you can you know that but but something like yeah if if somebody builds a really really you know what you think is a hideous home next to you mm -hmm. that that is a phone call that you make to uh planning and zoning <laughs> or you make a, or, you, or you make a phone call to the homeowners association if you're if you're in there but and that's you know but that's a that's a really good point tom because that's that's the whole reason for permitting processes. Mm -hmm. So you, I mean, the idea should be, and that's why we have different zones that you don't get a whole lot of that. You, you know, every once in a while there's these kind of buffer areas, but the idea is that residential will be residential, farming will be farming, commercial will be commercial and industrial mm -hmm. will be industrial. And that's the whole, you know, that's the whole point behind our, you know, our local governments really really working hard on the zoning issues and trying to get those things right because growth is inevitable. Mm -hmm but you really, really want to do it the very best way that you can. So you don't have those kind of scenarios pop up. So throw another scenario past you. So I bought a half acre mm -hmm. over on Pine Canyon, going to do a spec house on it. And I bought it. You helped me do the title insurance on it. And I found out and well, I knew this, I shouldn't say that I found out. They said, Hey, we're just finishing it up. We should be done in a month. Well, that was July. I got the word last week that it's finally something we can move forward with the permit. So, mm -hmm. Took many, many more months than they thought or we thought, okay? But I closed on a piece of property that wasn't a buildable lot yet. Back to that same question. Well, can you insure that? What's the deal here? What am I buying? Yeah. Well, and that, it, again, it goes to the, it, it goes to the permitting process and the zoning process. And so, and, and these are terms that now we'll really get kind of into some, some specific terms, but you can buy what are called paper lots. Hmm. Basically, the plat's been recorded. Right. Right. Which and is basically saying it's this dimension. It's this dimension. Here's the, here's, here's there. Mm -hmm. 
and you can buy paper blocks absolutely because at that point they're described you know they they're described and we know what they are mm -hmm. um but getting you know getting those things all the way to where the roads are in and you can yep. pull permits um that that takes a little bit more and so normally and that's not necessarily again your job no it, yeah it's not in but we try to disclose all of those things saying, sure hey, there's there's more that has to happen here and there's there's things and some people want to get in from the very beginning and and a lot of developers not all of them for for sure but some will would would like to sell a discount in price so they can keep their revenue coming mm -hmm. in and they're very very clear about that and saying hey you're going to buy but it might be a year before you're ready to go so they can you know they have the, the cost to get because the cash coming through yeah those improvements are you know to get roads and sewer and all the utilities and everything it it is not cheap no yeah it's amazing so, but yeah but that's uh but that so the term you know the term is paper lots where it's through zoning it's there everything is is ready to go but mm -hmm. just but you have to get you know you have to get all the improvements in before you can actually pull the permit so back to that and if someone comes and said hey i want to buy a piece of raw ground mm -hmm. you just say here's the measurement and i'm ensuring that the measurements and the easements that you can that you can access this and you can get into it and we i mean that and see that you know you look at farm ground all the time that way where uh agricultural ground that you know we're we're ensuring that that if that's what you're getting but again we're not um we're not we're not doing zoning or anything like that unless you ask for that specifically and then that's an added it's an added cost because that's something that's added to us we have to go get letters from mm -hmm planning and zoning from the different municipalities and say this is exactly what you this today this is what you can mm -hmm. do with this property if you do this this and this but right? it could change after but it can back to that after. same point yeah. and so it's so so even even if you want you know insurance you know some kind of insurance um we we can do that but even that is limited because we're saying as of today you can do it mm -hmm. um, but and normally you know most people that are looking at at changing use of any property that from what it's been in the past that's their due diligence and that's you know they, mm -hmm. they're going through all that and will have that well resolved themselves before they get to to close on the property so your your company is correct me if i'm wrong your company is an escrow and title company mm -hmm. is that true yep what's the difference because yep. those could be a title company and could be an escrow company that yeah it is and in utah the you know we we run as title and escrow but for example in california they're two separate companies mm. they might share the same door mm -hmm. in in california but they really do split them they're two separate companies they are they regulated separately but the the idea is you know i told you that we're an insurance company right first and foremost the escrow portion of that is handling all of the funds handling all of the documents that's really a lot where a lot of that other legal work comes in. A trusted third party. Yeah, trusted third party. Because they don't trust the lender necessarily or the buyer or the seller. They need a third party. Yeah, and, and I'll even go one step further. Trusted's a good word, but the best word is neutral. Neutral. Our job is is really when, when we, you know, people will give us the contract and then we follow the contract the way that, you know, and you know 99 of the time they're they're really clear and we know exactly what we need to do but if if those get in if there's discrepancies or hey we thought to have it interpreted this way or the other we just sit and we sit and mm -hmm. wait until, mm -hmm. until people get those things sorted out because that it really is our job to be absolutely positively neutral and and then to disperse the funds exactly the way that uh, that have been agreed by what's in writing too right by, uh, absolutely by what through the settlement statement and, and then but so escrow really 
you know, when you come into a title company, mm -hmm. you don't see the insurance part. You don't mm -hmm. see us the, where when you come in and sign all the documents and, and, you know, wire your funds to us and we cut the checks and pay everybody and do all that. That's the escrow part. Mm -hmm. So what we what you see from a title company is the escrow. But uh, but the business that we run and where we really make our money is is the insurance. Business. So from my world, in my world, the mortgage world, you come and talk to a mortgage loan officer and we say you can get a loan. And as soon as you and, and, and we don't call a title company until they have a contract or if it's refinanced, they have a property. Mm -hmm. Then we get a, we get a title report from you. And that report basically says, here's what we found. Here's our search or our research. And it shows us all the stuff that may or may not be their liens and stuff like that. That's an as is. Right. And then the new one doesn't come out until it's all closed. And then we get a new one showing the old liens paid off. Right. Yeah. yeah and that's so the difference is, is um, the, the term that we use in the industry is a PR or a preliminary title report. Mm -hmm. And that's where we start. And, and, and but the true form, what the real name of that document is, is a commitment to insure. Mm. And so and there's, you know, there's. Uh, I'll, I'll break it down to the simplest. There's basically three parts. The first part says this is who owns it. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're going to insure, either a lender or a new buyer. Or, and then there is a section for requirements mm -hmm. that says for us to insure this property the way that you want it, we are going to have to have this, this, mm -hmm. this, this, and this. We're going to have to pay the taxes that are delinquent. We're going to have to pay off the existing loans. We're going to have to make sure that the HOA is current. Yep. And we're going to have, so, so there's a requirement page. And then the last part is the what we call the exceptions. But really, that's the report. These are all of the documents that have been recorded against the property. These are, these are the documents that, that affect the property and, and determine exactly the use that you can have. And so those are the three parts. And then... When we go through the escrow process and close, then we will give the final report with it, just like you would receive a policy for mm -hmm. your car insurance. We send out a policy that says you are the insured mm -hmm. and you are insured for this amount of money and you are insured for these, you know, these certain things. And you're right, we give out the final report that would have a previous mortgage taken care of, delinquent taxes taken care of, so forth. And I'm going to jump there. I'm deviate over here. So multiple times, especially folks that are older, that's the Mike Smarts anyway. Right. I don't know what older means. We're in our 50s. I don't know what older means. But uh, they'll say, did I get my title? Did I get my title? And then we show them that report, and they file that away, and like, cool, I got my title. And that's not accurate. No. And, in fact, even the, the term title is a little bit, is a little bit goofy but what really what shows that you have the property is the deed mm -hmm. but to keep things uniform every county not just in our state but in the nation has a recorder mm -hmm. and then all of those documents are are held and and it's a huge process mm -hmm. but they are kept and they are kept in an order so that anybody can go in there chronological order chronological order but the, any and but they can be found mm. right and so that deed is the deed to your property and and it recorded deed and so so a signed deed by two parties even notarized isn't finishing yet is it, it isn't finishing yet and and the last time you and i talked about this i'll yeah i can kind of tell the funny story but until it is recorded it property hasn't transferred. Mm -hmm. and so if it sits in a safe deposit box, they're feeling all cozy. Right. It hasn't happened. Unless it's been recorded. Unless yeah, it's been recorded. That's exactly. And, and 
uh, I remember learning this when I first started on this way back, you know, in my, in my early twenties, um, my boss said, Utah is a race state. And I said, I, I don't know what that means. And he said, it means that whoever records at the county building first, that document wins. So, you know, Tom there, if I gave you a deed to my property and I gave, you know, uh, another person a deed to my property. And then I said, all right, go. And you mark set go. Yeah, whoever gets there first. And, and obviously there's, there's a lot more to it, but it Which is, will be illegal, by the way. <laughs> it is the recording that really is. I thought it would be a great idea for a movie. Get five people listening to it and then, you know, not give them any mode of transportation and see. Like a rat race. Get, yeah, like a rat race, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that recording is really, really, really it, the important part of of the whole and you don't do the recording but you make sure oh, no, it's we, sent we absolutely well we don't we don't stamp it okay that is one of the huge parts that we do is yes we absolutely do the recording we you do it. it we make sure that it's accepted we make sure okay that it has been processed all the way through and that and, and so part of that insurance and that's part of the insurance is there that happened that, that it has been recorded okay recorded okay correctly and that and that uh that everything has been transferred or been put in place the way that it needs to be done correctly so yeah there's the there's the piece that matters yeah right yeah so if we yeah for, and and you know we're like anybody else we we you know we'll we'll, we'll roll over you know 100 pages of documents and if we have uh, a couple commas in the wrong place or if we have a typo of how many feet something's supposed to go mm -hmm. when the county recorder processes it they'll look at it and they say the steed's wrong mm -hmm. it's our responsibility to fix it they let us know and we have to we've got to get it fixed and we've got to get it corrected because in the end, we've ensured that you'll get that property. What happens when you have a meets and bounds description, but then you have a monument, a building, something that says, so you ensure this meets and bounds, which says so many feet from this rod and so many feet from there measured from there. And here's your square or your rectangle or whatever piece of ground. And then you have something else that comes in that says, well, actually that meets and bounds is now off so many feet. Is that, a, is that a real situation? Well, it is. And we try to, you know, we try to resolve all those things beforehand, um, but we don't always do. But again, that's something that comes after our policy. Cause you don't do a survey. No, we don't do a survey, but we love it when they, uh, especially on, you know, on new development, things like that, there's always going to be one. And so most of those things get, get taken care of. So new development is a lot cleaner, obviously. Um, it, there's a lot more to it, but there's a lot of parties that, that, yeah, by the time it gets to the point, if you're going to do a new development, record a new subdivision, all of those things will be resolved or the county surveyor will not sign off on it. The county recorder won't sign off on it and planning and zoning won't sign off it. So, um, but yeah. But so meets and bounds. So I, for me, this like being on downtown, the, they say all these buildings on Main Street are off a few feet is what I've been told. Yeah. So you have to make sure when you buy it that this isn't <laughs> that. And then there's always a fight if you're like, hey, you're six inches onto my whatever right well and yeah and that's yeah i that can come from a lot of of different reasons but you know i mean somebody we always think that maybe the the property line when they drew when the you know when, when the fathers and uh, kind of drew out the maps mm -hmm. of, of heber and midway and wallsburg with their ruler and their pencil <laughs> hopefully a little bit more than that but but the idea is is that 
you know, we think that the road, you know, maybe the curb is is where things started. That curb mm. didn't exist. It's true. You know, so for example, our office is on 100 South, mm -hmm. and I have the curb, and then I have all the trees and, mm -hmm. and kind of that walkway, and then I have the sidewalk. My property line also starts three feet in. I think if I remember correctly, um, I know that my home in, in Provo starts six feet in hmm. for certain, but I think I, I think it might be two feet. So even though I have the lawn and I use it all day long, but if you if you get somebody over there that comes and measures yeah. and they start from the sidewalk, well then it's gonna be, mine's going to be two feet off and the next one's going to. Normally those things are taken care of by a surveyor really setting and saying this is if you start from the right place then everything else falls. And that can change if you go and have it recorded with a different property line and it's approved through zoning and those kind of things. So it could change. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it can, and you know I. I, I like to tell this story and I wish I would remember who it was. I, when I first came to the, to the Valley and I, I guess I should preface here that I, I have learned a lot about our Valley and I, I grew up down in Provo and I, I just, I'd never been around agricultural much at all. And we were in Midway at the time and I had a, um, I, we were selling a, a piece of property that was just up from our office, a little bit off of River Road, and the survey came out, and this uh, and it abutted one of the dairy farms, and the and the dairy uh, the fence for the dairy farm mm -hmm. was three feet in on their property, mm -hmm. on the dairy farm's property, from mm -hmm. and so when they did the survey, they they said, oh, we we want the fence line. Mm -hmm. we want we want the fence line but the deed lines matched up and so i said well i'll, I'll go talk to the you know I'll, I'll go talk to the owner of the of the dairy and, and see if we can fix this and the, the man was so kind to me and so nice but he was also like so wise and this is i, I can't believe that this is how i had to learn this lesson so he meets me at the corner where the fence is mm -hmm. And we talked for a little bit and I showed him the survey and he just sat there patiently with me and, and, you know, he said, you know, we want to fix this fence line. Will you sign a deed? Will you sign an agreement that the fence line is the new deed line? And then after I had talked for about 10 minutes, he said, Mr. Brown, you don't know a lot about uh, dairy farming and cows, do you? And I said, I, I don't. I said, I'll be really honest. I don't. And he said, well, my fence line runs right along this ditch. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, you know what happens to a cow when they get into the ditch? He says they ruin the ditch. They break their leg. He said, my fence is not here because I think this is my property line. Mm. I'm trying to keep my cows out of the ditch. Mm. So, no, I'm not going to sign your boundary line agreement. And it is a really good lesson that fence lines aren't always deed lines and people don't always put them right mm -hmm. on their property line. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, I went back and I explained it to the to the person that was going to be buying this property. And so it makes sense to me, too. And yep. so, you know, it's one of those stories where you're like, oh, OK, now I, I'm I'm a lot wiser <laughs> than I was. Well, that actually, I'll be honest with you, as we sit and say, you know, I have a contract or here's where the line is and that's what I want. And that's what they say. And that's where you can certainly we should be. But at the end of the day. Being rational human beings, hearing the backstory and understanding where we're coming from is part of this. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, yeah, is that uh, I'll, I'll circle back to where you where you started. Would I have done something else? I I don't know if I was wired to do anything else. This is this has been good for me. And it's been good for my family, and and I and I've worked with really, really, really good people. So 
Well, well and then I asked, you, and I asked you the question, so when are you going to retire? And you're like, I don't know. He said, I like to work. You said that phrase. Yeah. And you like this work. I do. But I mean, it's I drive like, in the morning, your truck, your car's there. I drive at night, you're, you're still there. You're, your light's on till late. Yeah. You got a workaholic problem? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> it's the same thing with all of my staff. We, we, all like to, we all like to work and get things done. And, and you've had some people with you for a long time. I think I am the luckiest person in Heber. I've, I, right now, I have the, the shortest term employee I have is six years. Hmm. And I have a couple that are at 20 mm -hmm. and in between. So yeah, I, I'm a very, very, very lucky person for the, for the people I get to work with. What's so your, what's the magic potion? How do you, so if someone's listening to now we've talked, you know, businessmen principles, how? That uh, that has nothing. It isn't. To do. Hey, this is an easy job. No, that didn't work out and for it you. It has nothing to do with me. I've just gotten lucky to get really the right people because it is. It's stressful, you know, especially over these last few, you know, these these last few years. It has really, really been um, a grind, and and COVID, COVID caused all sorts of really difficult and unique challenges that we had never even dreamed of, mm -hmm. and then we got busier than we've ever been so on top of that yeah. and, and didn't see it coming yeah and to, and to have you know to have a lot of staff and a lot of, of helpers that just you know dug in and fought it's it's i just i just been lucky to got the right people now you expanded over the years into different locations and then you retracted yeah why did you expand and how can you retract it and what's your advice there well I, no that's not advice it's it's more you know what you what you like and what you want. I I I did do that where we got five offices and we were for St. George, Salt Lake, and and in you know a lot of places in between. And I got up to I think at one point we had seventy seven or seventy nine employees, something like that. And I what I learned is that you know I was not a manager. I was mm. a terrible, terrible, terrible manager. I'm I'm not good with those things, and I wasn't, and I and I was miserable too. So not I mean it was kind of a double whammy. I wasn't happy. And, and I wasn't really good at it. And so we were just flailing all over the place. And I, so, you know, 2008 gave us an opportunity to, to kind of retract all of that and pull it all back. And I just came, you know, back to, to, to here, to this office here in Heber and into this wonderful Valley. And it's, so for me, it's not really a business principle. I, what I learned is I really like the title work and the rest of it, I don't like all that. <laughs> and and that's what I'm good at. And so, you know, to be successful and to be happy, you you have to do what you're good at. If you're if you're trying really really hard to do things that you that you don't like and you're not good at, there's man, that's just a source for frustration. So, seventy nine people, that's hard. Well, it was for me. I mean, I you know, I, I other people would look at that and say that's teeny. I could run that in ten seconds, mm. and that that's their talent and good for them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not. You know, it just, that, that wasn't, you know, that just wasn't for me. I, that's not, I, I, I wasn't good at it. You started the, at least the business. I know you started with a partner too. I did. You had a partner and then you bought him out and decided to do your own thing or you guys went your own way. Mm -hmm. What's your thought or advice there? Well, you know, that, I think the hardest thing with that is things change over the years. You know, you, you go in with certain expectations and certain, ideas of how things that uh, that that was one of you know i would make that akin to a to a divorce that that's still one of the hmm. you know one of the more difficult decisions i ever made and 
it, you know, that we made and, and it, that was, you know, that, but we went in with all the, the right ideas and the right principles and, and it, and it certainly worked, but you know, just that, uh, you know, sometimes things change and not sometimes they always change and, and that. So that was difficult too, but um, it's, everything's worked out to, you know, to where we can, we can run this and, and do it in a way where, where we're all really, really happy so far. Let me go one more step. So how did you start this thing? My, my, my introduction to you was you came in my office and you introduced yourself and and I basically asked, I don't know if I said it, but I thought, you know, where are you from? And you said Provo. And I was like, mm, I'm a pretty loyal guy to the, to the locals here. And I have a title company that I'm, I'm a pretty loyal guy. So thanks for stopping by. Yeah. <laughs> and then what? Well, no. And I think you got that message more than once. I, I got that message every single day. Yeah. But really every day for a couple of years. And, you know, oh, I'll answer that in the two parts. I got into title by by luck, and I won't go into that whole story. But I never knew what it was, and I I had worked UPS and um, was waiting for a callback. And after you do Christmas help, and and uh, it didn't come, it didn't come, it didn't come, and so I found a job at a title company. And back then, I was making six bucks an hour. <laughs> I think minimum wage was five fifty, and I was in college and had a kid and, you know, just started working to, to finish the last two years of school. So I fell into it there. I, and, but then I came up here because after five years at the title company I was at, I, I, I really thought I could do it, but I had a non-competition clause mm -hmm. and uh, I couldn't work anywhere on the Wasatch front. And so we started here and I, I hate to say it, but I, in my mind, we would have been to work up here for a year and then go back down to the Wasatch front. And mm -hmm. by the time we were done with that first year, I, you know, I realized that this is, this is the place to be. This is a great Valley and very, very lucky. And that's been how long ago now? I started in March of 1999, March 1st. So you know, your anniversary is just around the corner then, huh? Yeah. We, yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about that. The other thing that was funny about when we met, you were trying to, I, I called, you were, you know, get in or schmooze or whatever. Hey, Tom, do you golf? And I said, nope, I sure don't. And you're like, you're the first person I've met that doesn't golf in your industry. <laughs> yeah, you're the first one, probably the only loan officer I've ever met that doesn't golf. So. <laughs> and, you know, and, and and we had to do a lot of that of knocking on doors. And, and for, for the first five, six, seven, eight years, um, and we've evolved in the way that we market and the way that we, the, um, you know, uh, Kim Smith, who has worked with me for over 20 years now, taught me a very, very valuable lesson. And she's, she is the, the very best at this. Uh, she's like, we don't want, we don't want people because they want you to, you know, because we're going to take them to dinner, we're going to take them golf and we want them because we're the very, very best. And mm -hmm. we try to put our best foot forward on every single transaction, no matter where we we just hope that we'll get somebody in the door once and then we hope that we can keep them there for as long as, mm -hmm. uh, as we possibly can. And, and, um, I, I feel very, very fortunate that, you know, we work with our friends, the people, we have plenty of clients Tom, they're just like you that are, you know, they've, they've been with us for 15, 20 years and we know their kids' names. We, you know, we know mm -hmm. what they do and, and, uh, 
so again, I, I'm a very, very, very lucky individual. I fell into something that has been really, really good for, for me and my family. And again, kind of the overview or the, or the behind the scenes guy here. So when people grow up and they get an education they get a job, married family, all those things in between there, someone wants to buy a home. Mm-hmm. They want to start buying some real estate. And once you have some established, you know, you buy your own dirt and put a house on it, right? But there's so many things about it they have no understanding. Hence why we're doing a podcast, by the way, yeah, right? Right. So what Mike does, what Atlas Title does, what a good escrow and title company does is they make sure that this amazing investment that you go to work every day for, you make that mortgage payment every month for, that you make sure your family has a home and all those things. No one's going to come up from out of nowhere and say, hey, by the way, that's not yours. Or hey, by the way, there's an easement that runs right down the middle of your house that we forgot to tell you about. And we got to tear your house down. This is, this is extreme. I know that, but it's right. real. This is what we're insuring. Right. Right. And that not, you know, you're, I thought I had this and I could build this, but I can't because encroachments or easements, all these kind of things, all these words, like what do those mean? And I would highly recommend that you know them. And if you don't know them, you know, somebody like Mike and Atlas that does. Well, thank you. Uh, it is, it, we're, we, you and I are involved in, for, for, for the bulk of the people in in our valley and in our country, their home is by far their biggest investment, not just money-wise, but mm-hmm. for their family and, and, and for how they live their lives. And, and so, yeah, the idea is that they, they're not going to have to have any added stress or uh, undue circumstances because, you know, something out there was different than, than they thought it was going to be. Well, and the other piece I'm going to add as we finish up is, if you look at and say, hey, if you close with a title company over at Atlas Title, for example, and they, they show, here's my closing fee and here's my title insurance cost. And someone who has more of a DIY, do-it-yourself kind of mentality or save a buck will say, wait a minute, you know, if you're not getting a loan, I don't, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not going to do title insurance. I'm going to do this myself. I can record my own document, which is true, Absolutely. which is absolutely true. But you risk missing that one thing that down the road you didn't know about that. Yeah. You, yeah. And yeah, I, there, there's a tremendous amount of, of honesty in that statement. People can do this themselves, but it's kind of one of those things where it gets more and more complicated. You know, if, if, if you're, you know, you take it from the very easiest, my dad's owned this property and my mom's owned this mm-hmm. property for 50 years and mm-hmm. they want to deed it to me. Well, that's pretty safe. Mm-hmm. They've been in it for a long 50 time. 50 years worth of the same. But we get this, you know, hey, there's, you know, a lot. Uh, there's a lot that I want to buy that is up at Strawberry. And this guy just wants me to give him $20,000 for it and do a quick claim deed. And, you know, they'll ask me and say, what do you think? I was, well, does it have access? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what can you what can you do with that? Mm-hmm. What can you do with that with, with that property? You know. Do you, what what history do you know about it? Can this guy is this guy really really the seller? Mm-hmm. And um, is you know you, you you'll you'll want to do a, a, at least some some basic research to make sure uh, if you get away from that where you're not dealing with with someone that you really know you'll you'll want to do if you want to do it yourself you'll definitely want to do some research before you hand over the dough. Yeah, and obviously my recommendation is. When you're doing something, do it right and hire someone who knows how to do it better than you. Back to that same thing where it's like, you know, I didn't do, I wasn't a good manager. Well, unless you do it for a living, 
or have a lot of hours behind you, why wouldn't you hire someone to do it that knows how to do it to make sure and then to ensure it on, on there's some level of a guarantee. Again, I'm a huge advocate. I would never do it. I would never do it uh, otherwise, for sure. Well, my dad would say, you, you get what you pay for. That was, he used mm -hmm. to say that to me all the time. So, and sometimes, you know, sometimes that, that certainly is the case. Okay. Well, Mike, there's probably another two or three hours of uh, technical stuff we go down, but I don't think that's the purpose. The purpose here is to get a little bit of a taste. People understand what title is, what title insurance is. It's part of the closing costs that they see on from me. They don't ever see you or even know about you really until the closing yeah. as the escrow agent, but you have that insurance piece. They understand now, look at a title report, try and read it. To me, this is, see, this is so fun for me to learn stuff that to me, there's a magic to understanding. I always tell people, I always read the fine print. I love reading the fine print of anything because it's like, okay, what's really going on here? You know, you find out the details. People say, well, here's your contract or here's what the, the offer is. And it's like, well, what does it say in the fine print? You know, it's like, well, this just says this when we read it, you know, and I'm not saying I'm distrustful. I just, I like to know myself and the title report and the title insurance and what you do. Yes. I already trust someone to do it, but I can read that. I can say, what, what's this or how come that? I mean, there's not, I mean, a few weeks, but it's at least once a something that I call you and say, Hey, this popped up or how come this, or how could I do that? If, or this, why would I do this? And you're like, well, that's a good question. Well, and that is, you know, that, that, Maybe that's why I, I'm still engaged and still really like this because you think after 30 years you will have seen it all and and then something different happens and it's like I had never thought I would see anything <laughs> like this and and those are the fun ones to to work through and and it's, you know so there there are surprises and and uh, you know the bulk of it is the same and we're really really good at you know mm -hmm. at moving through those but there there are there's there's always a curveball. So, you, cer you certainly have uh, done a few closings for me and helped me out a few times over the last 20 years. I wonder how many, I wonder how many that would be a few for yeah, sure. A few for sure. So hundreds, possibly into a maybe, couple thousands of maybe, yeah, I don't know. Probably. Uh, we have, we have uh, two storage units full of files. My basement's full of files. <laughs> I think we've, uh, we're probably somewhere close to 30,000 closings at this point. 30,000. Yeah. Well, again, someone may have listened to this podcast or not anymore because they thought it'd be boring, but it's that stuff that you think might be not as exciting or fun that is so important to know. And I think it's thrilling to say, oh, I understand these things that are, everyone wants to own a home and owns a home. And if they know this stuff, they just have more understanding of what they're dealing with. I think that's fun. So I appreciate you taking the time and teaching us and, um, uh, I would go to Atlas Title. If it were me and I needed title work. Oh, I think I already do. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Okay. Thanks again. Bye-bye. This is Dollars and Sensibility, and I'm Tom Stone. Thank you for listening, and thanks for getting real with me. So next step is to answer your questions. Come see me, Guild Mortgage, 435-654-9979, or goapplastom.com.